Hi, this is Lauren Weymouth, your host of All About Blockchain. And we're here to explore all different kinds of use cases in this developing and growing technology together. Now, this industry's gotten a lot of negative press lately, the volatility of the crypto market and companies that are going out of business because of it. But there's a lot of other important innovations using blockchain beyond crypto. Today, we're gonna hear from startup founders who created an NFT marketplace for athletes and their fans. Sports lovers, this is a new way of interacting with your favorite players and getting rewarded for this activity. Arham Habib and Arpan Bagui are undergraduate students who co-founded VO2. Arm studies statistics and math at UPenn and is interested in prediction markets, automated market makers, and better in derivative markets. He is also a massive Golden State Warriors fan. Go Warriors! Arpan studies statistics and computer science also at UPenn and likes sports, music, and breakdancing. They took VO2 through Warden Cypher Accelerator. Aram, Arpan, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for the intros, Lauren. <laughs> All right, well, jumping right in, when did you first conceive of VO2? Over the summer, I realized that sports betting was kind of going through a genesis with legalization in the United States. And something that didn't make a lot of sense to me was that athletes were kind of cut out of that value chain. You see players like DraftKings or FanDuel's making a lot of that money. And we realized that fans enjoy betting, but they also really enjoy engaging with athletes and meaningfully having stakes in their careers. And so we came into this trying to reconceptualize the paradigm of fans getting involved in sports in such a way that both fans and athletes could benefit. Well, it sounds like you're both avid sports fans yourselves. Can you share any background or personal stories that really inspired this idea or give you the passion to run a company on it? I've been watching sports ever since. Honestly, like, yeah, since I was five, like as a little kid, I just remember watching Dolphins games. And one thing that kind of didn't resonate that well with me was how separate the fan experience is from the athlete experience. If you go to a concert, for example, you feel pretty close to the artist that you're going or the musician that you're seeing. The athletes have always been pretty removed. So that's kind of uh, the dissonance that we're trying to solve here. So as a sports fan myself, I thought, hey, now we have this technology that enables people to feel closer together and also provides a financialization aspect to it. Two of my interests right there combined into one. So it was definitely a very easy transition going from school into creating this project. All I have to add there is I had the chance to play pickup basketball with Clay in high school. That was such a great time. And after that, I've been hooked. I really wanted to find ways for more fans to experience similar experiences. Wait, Clay Thompson? Clay Thompson, yeah. So are you a Washington guy? I grew up in the Bay Area. I grew up in Danville, which is not too far away from where the Warriors play. So for a charity event, I got to play pickup against him, and obviously. Wait, I, I just have I just have one question, Arhan. What, what was the score? <laughs> we're not talking about that. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Next question, please. Well, I asked you if you were watching a guy. I hear about Clay Thompson all the time. My wife went to Washington State. He's a Coug, a fellow Coug, and so she's a big fan as well. But that's awesome that you got to play with him. All right, so you've got a real problem that you're trying to solve over here. And how'd you go about commercializing this idea? Yeah, so... There was one player that set a lot of the groundwork for this, and that's Spencer Dinwiddie. He was in the Nets at the time that he issued something called the Professional Athlete Investment Token. And what this basically was, was a security that let fans invest in his career. And at the time, there were two big drawbacks with it. The first was that it was traded through an alternative trading system, so there wasn't too much liquidity. The second was that you had to divvy up $150,000 to get involved in that deal, which the average sports fan doesn't have. But that idea of athletes IPOing as a way to give fans skin in the game or investors skin in the game really kind of stuck with me. And I realized there was a way to do it that would make the fans benefit as the asset appreciated, athletes could get capital up front, and we could take some of the cut of one, the IPO, and two, the transactions. 
And so that was when this transitioned from a passion project to a viable business. And for people who are just starting to understand how blockchain works, you don't need to get too technical here, but how does blockchain make this new marketplace possible? Yeah, I think blockchain is a very valuable technology when it comes to cutting out middlemen. And middlemen have plagued the sports industry. So not to call out entire industries, I think there's definitely a place for sports agents and other sorts of middle players for the time being. I do see a future where you see fans and athletes much more connected and a lot of those middle parties being automated away through technologies like blockchain. Arham can definitely talk about this. He knows a lot about blockchain as a data structure. And at the end of the day, that's all it is. So Arham, if you want to take it away and talk about how that data structure is so useful when it comes to connecting two parties. Yeah, absolutely. I guess where I'll start off with is this is not a novel idea. People have been trying to make sports marketplaces since the 80s. And historically, where these ideas fail is an athlete IPOs themselves. And then there's no trading in the secondary market because you have to have a buyer if you want to sell shares and vice versa. And so a data structure that I was really interested in was automated market makers, which were just introduced in the last five to six years and kind of pioneered by Uniswap or Balancer. And you see a lot of utility for these in trading small cap tokens that aren't big enough to be listed on exchanges. And my thought process was, well, if you take this really illiquid security that represents basically an athlete's cash flow that doesn't have much of a market around it, if you want it to be liquid in any kind of way, an automated market maker might facilitate this in a good way. It'll create a market where alternative trading systems have failed in the past. So that's why from a, from a kind of finance perspective, maybe this is a little bit too technical, but that's why I think for securities like this, blockchain makes a lot of sense. We definitely hear that. And it's so impressive that you've taken this idea and you've actually started VO2. And I know you've gone through Wharton Cypher Accelerator Program. I can kind of extrapolate that because you're already undergraduate students on campus, that's how you chose this particular accelerator. Can you tell us about the experience going through it and what it brought to you? The Cypher Accelerator was super, super cool. Huge shout out to Sarah Hammer. She's actually the director at the Stevens Center of Innovation and Finance here at Wharton. I knew of her when I was working under her at the Stevens Center. This had nothing to do with the Cypher Accelerator. I was actually just doing unrelated blockchain research there. But that's how I got introduced to the Cypher Accelerator. Simultaneously, Arham invites me to his dorm room and it's like, yo, I have a really cool idea. And I'm like, wow, I have a really cool accelerator to know about. One thing led to another. We made enough progress to get to a point where we felt comfortable applying. In January of 2021, we were Wharton undergraduates, so we knew kind of how the program worked. And Arm, if you want to talk a little bit about what happened within the program, I can hand it off to you. Yeah, the actual structure of the program was really interesting. So we were the only undergraduate team that was part of it. And there were companies that ranged from kind of pre-seed area where we were all the way to Roofstock, which is a Series E company that just launched their blockchain offshoot and tokenized the first mortgage. So it was really exciting to learn from people that not only had an expertise over blockchain, but understood the ops of running a company, which is not something that two 20-year-olds were very talented at from the get-go. And that was kind of our launch pad into raising actual institutional venture capital, joining a larger accelerator in the form of the Techstars program, and kind of going zero to one on this idea. I was just going to say, we had Sanjay and Jeffrey from Roofstock on the show a month ago, and they said the same thing, that the network was one of the most powerful things of being in the accelerator. But what else? So Warren is right there at the intersection of, you know, it's based in Philly. We have strong connections to the 76ers and Joshua Harris. 
So we were in a perfect position to A, get all the expertise and know-how from people who are connected to Warren through the blockchain community. But also, surprisingly, we were connected with people from the 76ers, and that was also a really unique experience for two undergraduates who love sports and blockchain. A lot of network to utilize and leverage, and we were benefiting from it all. Okay, well, that's a perfect lead into us wanting to know what athletes are actually on the platform. We kind of did our beta launch with four women's basketball players, two of whom now play in the WNBA. That was really exciting because that's a historically underrepresented part of sports and an undermonetized part of sports. And that also gave us a lot of feedback for launching kind of the first version of our official product, which was with Tony Ferguson, who's a UFC fighter. It was a token that let his fans interact with him, kind of make decisions for him. And the next step was going to be launching our first security. So these tokens in the past gave fans the right to interact with athletes and kind of test out the underlying tech. And to launch security, as you need to know, in a regulatory compliant way, you have to go through the SEC, you have to go through a securities exemption like Reg A plus Reg D, Reg CF, or you have to you know, functionally IPO, which is a little bit more difficult. We talked to some football teams in the UK about launching kind of a player security that gave fans the ability to invest in the freshman class of a team. And I won't name them over here because that deal later fell through after the UK macro situation kind of worsened. But that was the next step of the startup. All right, so you got various different sports and athletes and talent on there. How did you go about targeting the fans? Yeah, so on the fan end, it was a lot of direct marketing and you know, this is something that applies to a lot of companies, I'd say. Reaching out to fans began on word of mouth, actually. So we first started talking to a lot of our friends here at Penn who are also interested in sports. Our four women's athletes that we began with were all college athletes when we started. And being college students, that made a very natural way to communicate with them. We reached out to people on their respective campuses and got a lot of feedback from the teams. And we were even able to talk to the athletes themselves. Veronica Burton and Shakira Austin are the two who went to the WNBA. It was really cool kind of reaching out to other fans who we knew of and then letting that network expand. Of course, with all of these sorts of direct-to-consumer sort of startups, the network has to develop and then you reach more and more fans. And getting to that point is definitely a difficult thing. Is anyone else out there doing this? Do you have any competitors in the space? We have a handful of people that are focused on kind of the social tokenization of athletes. But I think the two biggest players are definitely Socios and SoRare. And what SoRare has done, which is really cool, is focused on a tokenized version of basically fantasy sports that I think is a major threat to players like DraftKings or FanDuel's and their daily fantasy. And Socios, which tried to create a sports stock market. And I know that they've inked deals with a lot of teams in the United States, even though those same security challenges have been why they haven't gone to market yet. What I wasn't a huge fan of with these models is that they inked deals with the leagues instead of the teams. And whenever possible, I feel like athletes who are the ones that are delivering value to fans should be directly generating revenue from these. But with that being said, a lot of respect to those founders. They've been at it for years and years, I think four years now, and have done a fantastic job scaling. Okay, so again, the way you're differentiating VO2 is that direct access to the athletes, getting them to engage with the fans, not through a league or through an entire sector of middlemen. Right. Okay, good. How else would you differentiate VO2 from Socio and the other platforms out there? Socios is definitely a large, large player in the space. And I think they were smart about one thing. 
Um, so Arham mentioned that we face similar security obstacles that Socios faces in the sense that we're both trying to create financial assets that kind of represent the right to engage with an athlete. Socios has one advantage that we don't. Besides their experience, and they've been working at this for four or five years now, they have a lot of capital backing them. So they've gone about it actually the opposite direction that we have. So they've approached leagues with uh, huge amounts of capital and without creating a single security so they don't have to deal with the SEC at all, they've inked deals so that in the future, once they get SEC approved, they can start issuing out these securities. Whereas we wanted to focus on the athletes more. And our big differentiator is really the way we engage with athletes personally or how our tokens allow fans to directly tell an athlete like, hey, I want you to do this touchdown celebration or I want you to focus on X particular skill. And these are all very rough ways to interact. But we wanted to focus on those first because one, those token value go directly to the athlete. And two, the fans feel a lot more personally engaged. So that's how we're differentiating on that aspect. And as you've been building, are there any partners you're working with? We've been working pretty closely with a few different agencies. The agency that actually put us in touch with those women's athletes that would be current media, and they've been huge mentors to us in the space. They kind of taught us a lot about how the sports industry works, especially traditionally with all the agents doing the communication between the athlete and people who want to work with the athlete. Uh, we've also worked with Tony Ferguson's team, Vayner Sports, and they've also been monumental for us in getting that connection. Through that, we've kind of met more and more people in the space. And if I were to thank everyone who's helped us, it'd be a pretty long list. But those are two that come to mind. We've been hearing over and over again how one thing that distinguishes the Web3 marketplace or sector is that startup companies don't necessarily have to build everything themselves, right? They can reach out and not reinvent the wheel and tap into and partner with different companies that are building different things. So like, for example, what blockchain are you using to build on? We are building on Polygon, actually. And there's a really cool point I want to add on there, too. So people talk about Web3 companies and how there's a huge boom in Web3 companies. And yes, things have like been a little bit looking a little bit different as of late. But one thing that we kind of benefit from is that Web2 already exists. The networks on social media already exist. So whereas all these, you know, the previous boom of startups, think Instagram, think Facebook, they had to develop their networks from scratch. Web3 companies can rely on the networks that were built before us and make improvements, create new incentive structures, and then add the financialization aspect that crypto and blockchain is so good at creating. And we can leverage those pre-existing networks to grow, which is why a lot of Web3 companies boomed really, really quickly. So there's been some unexpected twists in the marketplace recently. How has this affected your business? Yeah, so a good chunk of our assets were custody in NFTX. Um, the reason for that being that a lot of our contractors being a Web3 company wanted to be paid in crypto. And we thought that a custodial solution was a little bit more secure than just a MetaMask or a multi-sig Gnosis, plus we wouldn't have to pay gas. Obviously, we ended up kind of paying for that decision. Beyond that, just the greater turmoil after Terra Luna and the Three Arrows capital collapse and FTX means that there's much greater regulatory scrutiny over any tokenized securities, even if there is, for example, a real special purpose vehicle or LLC collateralizing these. And that's made our path forward on issuing athlete-backed securities a bit more challenging. Okay, so with FTX going under and a lot of your assets custodied on it, how are you proceeding? We have a few options. One is to figure out a way to proceed that's less cash flow intensive or more cash flow positive, I suppose. So this would be focusing on athletes issuing social tokens the way that the WNBA players or the way that Tony Ferguson did, and perhaps putting securitization in the back burner because that involves paying a FINRA license broker dealer, that involves actually inking people into deals that, that don't necessarily need to be there. 
And there's also a pretty high CAC that just goes into showing consumers that these securities are real financial instruments that you should be investing in if you're interested in these athletes. So that's one path that we could be taking. Arpan, do you have any other thoughts? Yeah, I think the way we always wanted to take VO2 was to create that financial asset, to create something that represented the right to engage with athletes and maybe even represent a future share of their earnings. Arham talked about what the business model would look like and how that benefits an athlete, how that benefits a current fan. The issue with that is it's currently non-compliant and the regulations regarding the securitization of real-world and non-real-world assets is still so much in flux. So our path moving forward is to wait and see what that regulation looks like. The product will still be usable. We'll still have all the perks and ways to engage with the current athletes that are listed on the platform. And as is the case with many companies that are in this sphere, we just need to wait until regulation is consistent and enforced in a uniform way. And then we'll have a much clearer idea of what to do. It's a waiting game right now. And that's a real strategy. I think you're not alone in the look-see of what's next. You did mention that when you went through the Cypher Accelerator, you were pre-seed. Did you end up raising any capital? Yes, we raised about $350,000. Shout out to one VC, Ebert Capital. That's Roger Ehrenberg's family office, and they were the first to cut us a check. After that, we also raised some money from Techstars, specifically the Sports Accelerator, which is led by Jordan Flegel and General Catalyst student-run branch Rough Draft Ventures. So Jeremy Navarro is our point person there. In addition to that, I'll shout out Cypher for giving us the first tech into the company, actually on me and Arpon's 20th birthday, which is really exciting. Corey Levy for giving us $10,000 to be in the Z Fellows program, and Arizona State University for giving us the Sun Devil Innovation Grant to work on a project that benefits athletes. Well, congratulations to you for tapping into all of these avenues for investment. All right, so given the current climate, where do you see blockchain going in the next five years? I think there's really interesting use cases when you get real assets on chain. I share the skepticism that randomly minted tokens like FTT, for example, are going to retain value. That's kind of anyone's question. But I really like projects like Royal, which tokenizes music royalties and is backed by real cash flows in a way that there's a real company backing these cash flows, a shell LLC. That's also, I think, the direction that sports are going to go. That's the direction that I think a lot of equities or derivatives are going to go, just because you can cut out a lot of middlemen, for example, with exotic derivatives, instead of getting a a prime broker like JP Morgan to register them, if you can govern those through a smart contract. I see a lot of just general financial infrastructure moving on-chain in such a way that blockchain is the back end, but the value prop is not that it's crypto and it exists in a blockchain. It's that this facilitates a more transparent, fast, or efficient marketplace. But there's a lot of intelligent people that have made a variety of guesses, and a lot can change in five years, as we've seen. A lot can change in six months. Right. And your mathletes, your engineers, do you see yourselves as serial entrepreneurs, or do you think when you graduate, you'll join companies? What do you see as your future career paths? We've both gone through pretty interesting journeys, starting from the beginning of VO2 and previous to that. And what I realized through this process, I, I do love building things. I love shipping things out. And I want to continue building things and doing interesting things. I will also say that running a company was a very difficult task and uh, to build a lot of hard skills before I do that again. So it's a balancing act. I want to continue building things and shipping things out, but more so out of interest, more so because I like making cool things. And then when I think, okay, this is the one that has the demand and is solving a real issue, that is the one that I will turn into a company. So I do think there's a distinction there between building cool things and building a company. 
both of which I have an interest in, but I'll probably wait on the latter until I feel more ready. Yeah, well, I think most people find that starting up a company is a really difficult task with all kinds of roadblocks in the way. You're doing it while completing a degree, which is phenomenal. Kudos and hats off to you both. You said you love building and shipping. Did you get interested in building and shipping or start to develop skills for that, doing hackathons or hacker houses or that kind of thing? How did you start? Yeah, great question. It's crazy. I started by being thrown into the deep end with VO2. I came into VO2 over a year ago with little to no actual software development experience. I knew Python and I knew data science skills. So I was able to kind of, you know, carry my own weight from the beginning. And then throughout that process, I ran into so many talented developers, even the ones on our team. Shout out to Alex, shout out to June. They taught me a lot on how to get started even. And since then, it's been awesome. I've been learning a lot about the space. I've gone to multiple hackathons. And that's definitely the way to learn. You throw yourself into difficult situations, and then you build things that you think are cool. It's been a pleasure so far, and I want to continue. What are the big hackathons that you recommend? Big ones that I recommend in the crypto sphere. Riptide Solana is a huge one. And Solana is its own developer ecosystem. If you're interested in Solana, there's a ton of Solana-hosted events besides Riptide. Polygon has a lot as well, and that's all Web3-focused. Outside of the Web3 sphere, there are just so many. I know one that me and Aram went to together was Rough Draft Ventures' own hackathon, and I think that was one of the first ones we went to. But yeah, there are tons online. If anyone is interested, I would recommend you go to devpost.com. That's kind of the directory where you can sign up for hackathons and really build those skills and start shipping things. You run into a lot of cool people. Highly, highly recommend. I guess the other thing that I would say here is I came into this with the misconception that I knew a little bit of Python and I knew a little bit of Java, and therefore I'd be able to jump into Solidity and writing smart contracts. And one maybe humbling takeaway was you have to walk before you can run. Solidity is easy to patch together and hard to do right. And I think a lot of high-profile hacks have really highlighted that. So our partner and I ended up sticking to a lot more front-end development. We learned a little bit about database integration. We learned a little bit about how social media networks are run, which I know is one of his interests now. And I'm hoping to eventually learn Rust and C++, which will hopefully give me the background in you know virtual machines and execution environments to start taking Solidity a little bit more seriously. Where can our listeners learn more about your research or your company, what you're working on? I have my own personal website at just rmh.com. You can Feel free to check out what we're doing at VO2 at vo2.fans. And Arpan, do you want to plug yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I have a lot of projects that are in the works. And if this comes out and you're listening at the time that this is live, it is going to be at arpanb.com. What an extraordinary learning experience. Arm and Arpan, despite the current market downturn, you are pioneering the engaged earn model, giving pro athletes a way to directly participate with their fan community and creating an interactive marketplace for collectible tokens. This is another way we are seeing blockchain become mainstream, generating interactive communities. You're putting the fun into following sports and falling in love with our heroes. Thank you for sharing this with us and for being on All About Blockchain. Thanks again for having us. It was a pleasure. It was so, so fun. Thank you, Lauren. We love you being on this journey of technology discovery with us as the doers are unfolding new possibilities in real time. Until next time. 